You're going to Act 7, and if you're really good, anybody hunt with a double-barrel shotgun? I like a double-barrel shotgun. Go to Hebrews chapter 5 and Acts chapter 7 all at one time. Amen. And gentlemen, if you can, ask your wife, because women can do about 6,000 things all at one time. Hallelujah. A man uses a remote and eats. He thinks he's really doing good. Amen. Usually I have a hard time finding the ketchup in the fridge if Janine wasn't in the house. Amen. Now the chocolate I can manage, but the ketchup is... <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. I'm honored to be back here. I thank God for this church, for your pastor. Thank God for what you're doing. Thanks for coming out on a blustery morning. Amen. Thank God for a good sound team. Yes. Sort this. I'm not a pulpit stander. I can't. That's okay. Might as well put socks in my teeth. Amen. I just can't stay up there. Amen. I want to read this verse to you from Hebrews chapter 5, and then we'll, we'll go over to Acts chapter 7. Uh, verse 12 is where I want to pick it up this morning. Is that all right? Let's just yeah. jump right into it. Praise God. It says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, but you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. Now, when it says milk there, it's not talking about like your breakfast cereal milk. We're talking a lot younger than that. Amen? Don't want to have a biology class, but praise God. We're talking a lot younger than that. He's saying, you know, by this time in your Christian walk, you ought to be teaching and helping someone along. Right. But we're having to restart the clock with you. I know you don't know anybody like that. Just stretch your imagination. Praise <laughs> God. Go over to Acts chapter 7. This is a story about Moses. We'll, we'll come back and refer to Hebrews chapter 5 after a while. But Acts chapter 7, Stephen is giving his defense when they accuse him, um, the Pharisees do. And for this sermon, two things are going to happen. One, they're going to get so convicted they gnash on him with their teeth and kill him, which I've never preached so bad. People have, I've had people mad at me. I've never had any, anybody bite me before. Amen. Thank God this won't be today either. Don't know how much a backwoods redneck church this is, praise God, but don't eat me afterwards, hallelujah, amen. I have, I have been in Africa where I've been nervous a time or two. But in addition to that, when Stephen's done, the Bible says that as, as they stone him, the Bible says that he said, I see the Lord standing by the right hand of the Father. And in other words, Jesus Christ is so impressed, Christ himself stands to welcome him into glory. He's not seated at the, at the right hand of the Father. He stands up. So God notices this sermon. That's pretty good business. Can yeah. you say amen? amen? So we ought to pay attention when the man preaches. Yes. Now, he's not a preacher. He's a deacon in his church. I mean, his call, he's taking care of widows and serving food. He's a good helps member in his church. Amen? Right. But he begins to give his defense. And let's pick it up here. Oh, let's, let's go with uh, verse 20. He's talking about Moses. It says, And at this time Moses was born and was well-pleasing to God, and he was brought up in his father's house for three months. So at this time, what's going on, Moses is born. They are not supposed to. The Egyptians have a command out that they are not supposed to allow any male children to be born to, their, to the slave nation, the Israel nation, the Jewish people. They were all supposed to be killed. So out of desperation, his mother and father, they take this young child, they put him in a, 
in a, what we would call a wicker basket. They line it with tar so it'll float, and they push him out into the reeds to survive. Now, you take a young child, three months old, and you put him out there where there's snakes, crocodiles, all kinds of... You got to understand how desperate these people are trying to keep this young man alive. Right. Amen? Yes. I mean, how bad is your other option if this is what you're doing with your son? That's, that's where they're at. Let's read on. It says, But when he was set out, Pharaoh's daughter took him away and brought him up as her own son. And Moses was learned. Say learn. learn. He's educated. Moses is learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians, and he was mighty in words and in deeds. So this guy grows up. I mean, he's kind of got the who's who coming to his house as his private tutors. You know, you might talk about Harvard or Yale or whatever your favorite college is or university or whoever's kind of got the, you know, the best of the land. Moses had all of that plus, right? Yeah. We'll skip down for the sake of time. And he runs into a couple of Egyptians, a couple of Israelis. He has his problems. He doesn't quite get everything to gel in his ministry right. Let's pick it up here at verse 29. It says, Then at this saying Moses fled, and he became a dweller in the land of Midian. Now Midian is out in the backside of the desert, what we would call the wilderness. Amen? So he's leaving Central City, right? Downtown Egypt, whether that's Cairo or wherever, where he's educated and he's learned. He grew up, private tutors, best of the best. And he is running for his life, and he finds out here this city called Midian, where nobody can find him, nobody knows who he is, just out here in the backside of the wilderness. At this same, Moses fled and became a dweller in the land of Midian, and there he had two sons. And when 40 years had passed, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire in the bush, in the wilderness, say the wilderness, in the wilderness of Mount Sinai. When Moses saw it, he marveled at the sight, and as he drew near to observe, the voice of the Lord came to him. I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses trembled and dared not look. You know, I like this word trembled because sometimes when God, people say today, oh, the Lord told me this or the Lord told me that, I always wonder, where's the respect? When God spoke to Moses, he trembled, brother. Yeah. Amen. You know, when Paul was, was given his defense before the king, he preached with such fire that the Bible says, and the king was much afraid. The king isn't on trial. Paul is. But he has so much scripture in him, he has so much word, he spoke with such boldness that the king was afraid to let him keep preaching. Now, brother, now you're talking a man of God. Come on. He doesn't need it, didn't need a big pulpit, didn't need to fly in on a jet, didn't need anything, just the power of God, two knees and the Holy Ghost, and we're, we got church. Can you say amen? Yeah. Yeah. And the king began to be, I, I like it today when the preachers speak up so that the, the politicians become afraid. I think we have some people who should start being afraid a little yeah. bit. Amen? Yes, sir. I told the Lord, I was, out, I was out in New York when that whole abortion thing got announced. And, and the pastor where I was at began to talk to his congregation. People got up and left. He said, then leave. Amen. Come on. We're not gonna, it's not okay to start killing children. Are Come you on. kidding me? At the end of nine months, halfway through, my wife was putting her hand on 
or put my hand on her stomach and I could feel my son moving inside the womb. Seriously? Be good for some. I told the Lord, I said, we're going to need another patch of worms. Whatever you did with Herod. Yeah. Amen. Where the worms are. Just right on national TV. Do not pass go. Do not collect. Don't pause for the commercial. Nothing. Just let their face fall off. Hallelujah. <laughs> what did Paul say? He said to that guy, he said, then you'll be blind for a season. And he was. That's preaching. Right. We, 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 we changed some people with, with that kind of a move of the spirit. Amen. I was like Ananias and Sapphira, you know, they lied to the preacher, fell over dead over the offering. Peter was sharp. He said, have the young people take them out. That'll touch the youth group. Hallelujah. <laughs> so what happened to him? He lied. That happens over lying? Yep. <laughs> Pastor, I got an offering. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Moses leaves Egypt where he's learned, say education. education. Not against an education. But all of that wisdom and all that learning didn't help him walk with God. But on the backside of the desert at Wilderness Church was a faithful old priest by the name of Jethro. The Bible says if you read it for yourself in, in Exodus chapter 2, chapter 3, Jethro's out there. He's a priest in Midian. He has seven daughters. Now, I would assume if he has seven daughters, if he would have, were to have any sons, the Bible would have mentioned them. Has seven daughters. And Moses begins to come alongside and begins to work and to take care of his sheep. There's Jethro, just faithful to the things of God. Nobody even knows who this man is, but God does. And out there, just faithful to do, you know, the Bible says Exodus 3 will tell you that Moses was taking care of Jethro's sheep when he saw the burning bush. Right. So obviously Moses' mentality was that he was not too good to do any task in the house of God. Though he was learned, he was willing to put his hands to. Yeah. He was willing to take care of. He, he found freedom working in that I'll call it a little church, though I, I admit to you I don't know that for sure, but it certainly seems to be this wilderness church where this Jethro is a priest. Moses finds the voice of God right. when he couldn't find it in downtown Egypt right. with all that learned wisdom and yes. education. Yes. I want to thank God for the faithful priest, for the faithful men and women of God who show up and do ministry every day and who take care of God's people. No ulterior motives. We're not going to ever be known. Nobody's going to ever write a book about us. You know, I was, just, <laughs> I was just out in California. There's a pastor out there in a town called Visalia, California. It's north of Los Angeles, about three hours' drive. pastor's name is Josh Bulger. Most people won't know him. But you go out there in this, this rural area, and he's got a church. It's just hopping. Some 400 or so members just worship God. I mean, just a, amen, just... 400, looks like to me, mostly all Hispanics out of gangs and drugs. And, you know, they worship. There's tattoos on everything. Amen. Their hands come up and you, all you can see is ink everywhere. <laughs> and the power God hit that church. I'm telling we had, I mean, we just had church. 
And I asked that pastor afterwards, I said, Pastor Bolger, I said, how did you get in the ministry? How did you build such a work? He said, you know, he said, I'm actually from Arizona. And he said, I went to a little small rural church in Arizona. He said, there's maybe 100 people. My mom drug me there every week. He said, and I went to the children's church. There was a businessman there by the name of Richie Wahlberger. Isn't that a funny name? Richie Wallenberger. And he was a businessman, and he said he used to teach John 3.16, and he would teach me the scriptures, and I went there. He said I was the only kid in church, or in the children's church. And he'd show up, and because I didn't have a father, he said he'd take me in. If he went to go do something kind of cool with his kid, he used to fly a plane. He said he'd invite me along, made me feel kind of part of the family. He said, but over the course of time, I drifted out into the world. And he said, out into the world, he said, I got myself in trouble with drugs and everything that goes with that lifestyle and gangs and whatnot. But he said, the sermons by Richie Wallenberger began to come back to me. And he said, I found my way back to the house of God with John 3, 16 from the sermons that were taught to me when I was just 8, 10 years old on John 3, 16. And he said, years later, he said, I'm in a Christian businesses meeting and I look over and sitting in the third row, is Brother Richie, elderly now. He said, I want to thank you for what you taught me all those years ago. And here's the part that really hit me. He said, I thank God for that man. He said, because he showed up every Sunday to teach one kid. He showed up every Sunday to teach one kid the word of God. Just one kid who nobody knew. Just one kid who would need Jesus. Just one kid every Sunday. He was a businessman. He had money. He had prestige. But he went to a little country church. And every Sunday he showed up and he taught one kid the holy word of God. And that one kid now pastors 400 people. You talk about Uganda. He goes out to Uganda. I, I mean, when I go to Uganda, we might get 100, 200 preachers. Pastor Bulger, he goes out. He gets 3,000 preachers to come out to his meetings because a businessman showed up every Sunday to teach one kid the word of the almighty God in a little country church. And a priest was faithful every service to show up and to pastor out in Fort Wilderness where nobody would even know where he was but God. And he stayed faithful to the things of God. And in one day walks a troubled young man by the name of Moses with the call and, and the anointing of God, but so mixed up he doesn't know how to make all of this work. And over the course of time in working in the ministry of helps, over the course of time in just doing the dues of life and ministry, over the course of time God begins to work his work. That's why I love the ministry of helps. Because there's a wisdom among the helps team. There's an anointing among the helps team. Yes. There's a wind of the Spirit of God that comes on you when you get busy in the ministry of helps and an anointing and a grace that you aren't going to find everywhere else. I don't care about your background. I don't care. I'm not putting down sophisticated and educated and all that other stuff. I'm telling you, Moses couldn't find any of that until he walked into the house of God and he found this simple priest who walked with God and he began to watch his sheep be no different than showing up and mowing your pastor's lawn, raking his, raking his grass, or doing the, you understand? Or taking care of the church, or vacuuming the carpet, or just doing the work. And out there, the voice of God began to talk to Moses. Right. And the, what we call the burning bush experience happened in a very secluded small area to the ministry of helps guy named Moses. 
who's just helping this pastor take care of this flock on the backside of the Fort Wilderness. Midian Church of God that nobody even knows about. And the power of God begins to fall. Look at this. And the Lord said to him, take the sandals off your feet for the place where you stand is holy. I have surely seen, say God sees. God sees. I don't care what you're going through today, God sees. I have seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt and I have heard, say God hears. God hears. So God sees and God hears. I don't know what you're going through today, but I came to tell you that God sees and God hears what you're going through. And I have come down to deliver. I love that about our God. He doesn't just come to show up. He comes down to deliver his people. Whatever you're going through, whatever you're talking to God about. I had an encounter with the Lord, I don't know, six, eight years ago now. I, maybe a little bit longer. I was just considering, you know, you were talking about it earlier, Pastor. But I was thinking I just shut down everything. God, I'm not a good preacher. These people don't want me. I'm not. I'm not going to do this. You know, I'm telling you, he began to talk to me. He talked to me about things I had never put across my lips. Right. Things I had never voiced to my wife, Janine. Things I had never confided in anybody in my life. He began to tell me me better than I knew me. Yeah, it's awesome. not fair right. that you know me better than I know me. <laughs> At least let me ask the question. He said, here's why you're thinking this, and here's why you're thinking that, and that's like, yeah. It's what God's doing with Moses. He's saying, I see it, and I know it, and I've come to do something about it. Now look at this. God, okay, God, how are we going to do this? What are you gonna, what's this great plan that you're going to hatch to deliver these people? I will send you to Egypt. So many people want to get delivered, but they don't want to be the deliverer. God looked at Moses and he said, if you want to get delivered, it's time for you to turn around and face now what you've been hiding from all these years. You've been, you've been now on this backside long enough working in the ministry of helps. You've been here long enough now, Moses. There comes a time now for you to get busy delivering and helping other people. You want to get deliverance, you have to be the deliverer. You want to get rid of Pharaoh? You better go deliver God's people from the Pharaoh. There, in that time, remember Hebrews chapter 5, for though by this time now you ought to be teachers. That's what God's saying to Moses. By this time now, Moses, it's time for you to take everything you've learned and it's time for you to go back to the very thing you've been afraid of all these 40 years. Let's send you back to Pharaoh who you've been dodging and this time you're going to overcome. See, working in the ministry of helps, I'm going to say it again. There, there's a power that comes. There's a grace that comes. There's a wisdom that comes that you aren't going to learn anywhere else. Right. But you get working alongside your pastor. You get helping in the church. You get building. You get doing. You pick up not only the knowledge, but you pick up the heart. You can get knowledge a lot of places, but you can't get a heart for ministry unless you're with your leadership. Amen. That's where you get a heart for what God's doing. That's where you begin to understand what God's doing in a person's life. Can you say amen? Yes. And Moses, Moses picks this up and he goes out and he becomes a deliverer. And he delivers the people from the very person he's been afraid of all this time. 
and God turns his situation around. Can you say amen? amen. See, for though by this time, Moses, but you've been doing this long enough now, for though by this time, you should, you, you should have a voice. You should begin to say, you know, it, I've been with my pastor since 1987. I'm not supposed to need the same amount of ministry I did that I came to in 1987, 1988, 1989. We had a, we had a lady join the staff one, one time, and she was real good in her given department, and, and she had helped other ministries really, really begin to grow and produce things. And it was, it was you know, she was wonderful. But I'll never forget, I was in the car with Dr. Barkley one time when we were driving along and the, the staff had called and said, you know, they're going through the business of the day and I'm not trying to overhear, but I'm the only other person in the truck. Amen? I cannot not hear. It's impossible not to hear what's going on unless you're going to push me out at 60 miles an hour, which, amen. But I, we were going along and I remember the staff said this. They said, um, you know, the, this new lady who's come aboard she, she said she needs to meet and have some counseling. Okay, he said, well, you know, um, if she needs some help, you know, give her some help. Well, she would like to be able to help and, and meet with the ministry, you know, for not less than an hour, at three, maybe four days of the week. Got real quiet. It's usually not good. And I'll never forget pastor's response. He said, no, he said, that's not going to work. And they said, well, you know, what do you mean, Pastor Barclay? He said this. He said, listen, he said, my staff is here to provide ministry, not need ministry. Right. If you're a leader in the house of God, you are here now to begin to provide ministry for other people. You're not here to keep needing ministry all the time. Yes, we'll meet and yes, we'll help and yes, we'll keep preaching. And that's what church is. That, we're the church. We love, pray, prophesy, you know, help people. We'll weep with you. We'll laugh with you. But if you're going to become a leader, yes, you're, you're, I mean, it'd be like a mechanic at the shop always working on his own car. Right. Well, that's all right, but that doesn't help anybody else. You're still just helping you. Right. If, you're, if you're going to get paid for this, you have to provide some work for somebody else. Can you say amen? amen. And hopefully it doesn't need to get pushed out of here. Praise God when you're done, quote, fixing it. <clears throat> and that's, that's what he was saying. No, if you're, you've got to provide ministry now, not always need ministry. You know, over the course of time in, in, in my Christian walk, I'm not supposed to still need all the same things I did when I first started walking with God. Yes. Hey, I'm not, you know what I'm talking about? Yes. For though by this time, Brother Ray, you should be, you should be providing now. Yeah. I'm supposed to come to church not because I need the word. I do need the word. You're going to always need the word. But shouldn't I eventually catch it? My, I, I have four grandkids, three girls and then a boy. Ladies, I love you. I don't need any more makeup in our house. I, I, thank God. I swam in the estrogen ocean long enough. Amen. I'm ready to, we're glad we had us a boy. My little grandson, Gavin, is six months old. I have a, a one-year-old um, granddaughter, a two-year-old granddaughter, and a four-year-old granddaughter. I don't mind that my grandson fills his britches. He's six months old. 
I mind when my four-year-old granddaughter doesn't remember. And if she's 14 and still having to say, something's wrong. It's not funny anymore, man. Amen? Uh, there's, there's an expected... <laughs> is this all right for a Sunday morning? Am I in the right church? There's an expected time for that to end. We're not supposed to smell like this when we're 14. Hallelujah. Amen? You're on solid food now. It's not cute. For though by this time, from heaven, there was an anticipated growth rate. Not, not from the apostle who wrote it. I know there's different people think different people wrote it. I want to get into all of that. I'm not that smart. I know, I know he, he figured whoever wrote it, he figured you were doing this now long enough. Yes. Time now for some change, for some development. That's what God was saying to Moses now. Time now for you to transition. For you to begin to show up and to bring some anointing into the house of God. Can you say amen? amen. Right. Can we look at some more verses? Is that yeah, all right? Let, let's go, um, if you would, to, gosh, let's go Jeremiah 29. If you go Jeremiah 29, everybody goes to verse 11. For I know the thoughts that I have towards you. And those are good verses, but that's not my verse. We're going to go verse 4, Jeremiah chapter 29. Verse 4. Here's the, here's the context. People of Israel come in, Joshua conquers all the promised land and everything's going good, but over the course of time they drift away from God. And in drifting away, this group of people come in called the Babylonians and they capture much of Israel and Jerusalem and they take back some of these children of Israel back over to, to Babylon and this debate begins because some false teachers and false prophets rose up. There's always somebody who shouldn't be talking that's got the microphone. Amen. <laughs> You think it's just today, but it's not. And these false preachers, they speak up and they say, don't worry, you're not going to be here long. You're not going to have to do this for very long. It's going to be a quick transition for you. Amen? So in this quick transition, as they're going along, these people become confused. So the Holy Spirit speaks to Jeremiah and he pens these words to these people in verse 4. Says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all who were carried away captive, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem even into Babylon. Build houses and dwell in them. Plant gardens and eat their fruit. So he's telling them just the opposite of what the false had been saying. Look at six. Take wives and beget, and beget sons and daughters, and take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands, so that they may bear sons and daughters, that you may be increased and not diminished. Even in a land where they had been taken over, the blessing of the Lord would come to them. I don't care what you're going through today, if you feel trapped, if you pin, feel pinned down, if you feel like you can't get out of your situation, the Word of God comes and says, if you'll just do what's right, I can begin to increase you and turn your situation around. Yes, Can you sir. say amen? Yes, sir. You are not too far gone for right. God to reach down into your well yes. and begin to pull you up. Can you say amen? amen? Look at this. Seven. And seek the peace of the city where I have caused you to be carried away captive and pray to the Lord for it, for in its peace you will have peace. While you're there, you help those people. 
You bless them. You find a way to be a blessing and to touch their lives. You find a way to not compromise, but you find a way to show the love of God. That you have a hope and a promise. They don't. You have a live and a living God. They don't. You have a wisdom and, and a future. They don't. You take what you've been given now, and even though they've treated you wrong, you begin to bless them and you begin to help them. One of my favorite stories in the Old Testament is Naaman. Remember, Naaman goes to the prophet. He's told to dip seven times, right? And he's cleansed of his leprosy. But prior to that, the only reason Naaman even knew about the prophet, because a little girl he had captured from Israel went and talked to Naaman's wife and said, you know, your husband doesn't have to die of his leprosy. If he could get to my church, there's a, there's a prophet there named Elijah, he prays for the sick. That's like you inviting somebody to church who's been mean to you, right. treated, mistreated you, right. bullied you, been nasty to you. And you invite them to church and say, you know, you don't have to die like this. Your marriage doesn't have to fall apart like this. You don't have to live the rest of your life Come on. in this bitterness and this anger. And she looks at that lady and she begins to say, if you could get your husband to come to my church and meet my pastor, my pastor can help your husband get his life straight and he can live and not die. That's good. That little girl becomes maybe the greatest Christian example we can find in the Bible of loving people that are unlovable. Can you say amen? amen. Yes. That's what God is saying to this group. You, if you want to get your deliverance, then you have to begin to deliver. Yep. You have to begin to take all the things that I've shown you all this time now and you have to begin to apply it and to use it and to touch people with it. Can you say amen? amen. You know, I, uh, <laughs> pastors, I'm getting ready to go on a missions trip over to the Philippines. I, <clears throat> I pray over my ear every year, right? Lord, where do you want me to go? Where don't you want me to go? What do you want me to be involved in? What don't you want me to be involved in? Uh, I've been to the, I, I got a trip coming up to the Philippines in late May. This will be, I think, my 14th time over there. And I just, I pray over it, pray over it, pray over it. And, you know, and I always salute my wife, Janine. One, she puts up with me. Two, she puts up with me. But over the course of time, I can go on these mission trips. I can be gone. Um, I, I was gone for almost an entire polar vortex out in New York. My wife, Janine, was, you know what I'm talking about? She's home taking care of everything. It, today I woke up, we got, we got ice water coming through the roof and dripping through one of the walls. My, home, my wife is home taking care of it so I can be here in the ministry. Right. Amen? Yep. You, you understand? You need, you, need, you need each other. I need her. Yeah. Amen. So I, I, was, I was praying over my year, getting ready. I said, you know, God, I'll go on all these mission trips. I don't care. I usually take about three years, I spend thousands, try to raise the money, what doesn't come in, then I come up with, and the Lord's always been faithful. You know, I'm, I'm blessed. I never, you can ask him, I've never complained. I've eaten things in Uganda, I have no idea what they were. I don't want to know what they were. I've never had to, but they say if you ever have to eat a monkey, when they skin it, it looks like a child, you feel like a cannibal. I've never done it. Thank God. I'm not going in the kitchen right. and asking. Right. Amen. <laughs> I remember I was, I was baptizing people down in Haiti. We had about 50 Haitians all lined up, and they're singing praise God, hallelujah. And this 
we were baptizing them in this pond. It was about as big as this whole platform area is up here. And we're baptizing, they're singing, we're baptizing, they're singing. And in the middle of that, this bull decided he was thirsty. Well, man, he was a big old bull, big old horns and whatnot. He walked right down in the middle of our baptismal and just started drinking. He said, well, if he gives his heart to God, I'll dunk him. I don't care. Amen. <laughs> I'm country. We can cow tip. I'm good with that. Hallelujah. There you go. Amen. Tell him to close his eyes. I'll nail him. Amen. Well, in the middle of all of that, that warm water affected that bull. <laughs> yep. He sure did. I looked over in the Haitians, they just kept praising, so we kept dunking. All 50 of them all got baptized. Nobody cared. We just shouted hallelujah. Amen. I never complain. I don't care. I'm just glad to be in the ministry. Hear my heart. I'm glad for the 50 people who gave their heart to Jesus Christ. I, I just told the story of David and Goliath almost lost the meeting. They had never heard it before in their lives. Wow. I mean, they went crazy. I was, <laughs> I was in the Philippines. I don't know what I was eating. It was these noodles, but they would have doubled for rubber bands. I could not, I could not get through those things. And I'm swallowing one end and still chewing on the other. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I'm just glad they were only a foot long. I mean, I'm working my way through those things. Lord, have mercy. Never, I don't care. Just glad to be in the ministry. Right. Amen. So I said, Lord, I'll go on all of these things. I'll eat this weird food. I don't, I'm just glad. I said, but if you could do something for Janine this year. She never asked me for anything. If you could do something for her, it would just really bless my life. Well, Janine likes two things. She loves her grandkids and she loves the garden. I love my grandkids. <laughs> I grew up with a two-acre vegetable garden. I do not enjoy doing that anymore. And so, you know, I come home on a hot day, I get done doing tree work or whatever, and she'll say, you know, well, don't you want to come help me? No. I'm looking for the biggest, baddest air conditioner vent I can find, and I'm putting a chair right on top of it. Hallelujah. <laughs> and so I, but I got looking at these used golf carts. Maybe this, we live in a pretty rural area. It's a two-lane road across the street from us is the family farm. Been in the family since the late 1800s. And I said, you know, God, if I got her one of these used golf carts, she could take the grandkids on it, have a blast. She can do her gardening, move the plants around, leave me alone. Everybody wins. I said, you know, it just, and that was my prayer. You want the truth? It wasn't the end of the world if I didn't get it. I wasn't going to go crying and complain. It was, it was just, I just wanted to do something. Every man knows this feeling. I just want to do something for my family. So I'm going through life, and I'm minding my own business, and I'm driving along in my pickup truck, and this young girl turns in front, and she nails the side of my pickup truck. Just the front tire goes flat all the way down the side. Can't move the thing. She's there. I'm there. And, and so we're standing there. And uh, call the police, and they're coming. She's not hurt. I'm not hurt. And uh, I, she's standing there. I said, uh, I said, you all right? She says, yeah. And she makes a couple of phone calls. Now she's crying. I said, uh, I said, you called your dad, didn't you? <laughs> She's about 19. Yeah. She said, yeah. I said, he freaked out, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> I said, did you start it with dad? I've been in an accident. Yeah. You can't do that to an old guy. 
You, you are always daddy's little girl. That day will never stop. My daughter is a nurse. She's resuscitating infants to life. To me, she's still six years old. On a good day, she might make eight, but usually six is as far as we get. <laughs> I said, don't, when he gets here, I'll get him down off the ledge. He won't jump. Don't worry. But you can't do that to an old guy. That's just how this works. So we're standing there talking for a minute and, and get her dad and we, everybody gets calmed down. The tow truck comes, the police come, do the whole nine yards. Tow truck gets my truck first to get it out of the traffic. And I'm standing there and get all done. And, and I go to get in the truck and the Holy Spirit speaks to me. He said, now, he said, I want you to help that, little, that young girl with, with her deductible. Well, I don't normally have that kind of money on me. And I don't this morning, so don't ask. <laughs> Bunch of reapers in the house of God, I promise you. <laughs> so I said, all right. So I reached in my wallet, I grabbed a couple hundred dollars, I, and I handed it to her in front of her dad. I said, here, this is for you. I want to help you with your deductible. She said, you would do that for me? I said, sure, I'd do that for you. Her dad said, seriously, sir? I said, she's a kid. She made a mistake. My bad. Don't get between Taco Bell and a teenager. Amen. It's just, <laughs> should know better. Hallelujah. He said, uh, he said, well, that's really nice of you. I said, it's, you know, it's not a problem. I'm just glad everybody's okay. It's not a big deal. It's a truck. We'll get it painted. Life goes on. So I get in, the tow truck guy takes me away, and, and we get to the, the dealership, unhook my truck, and I go to walk away. He says, hey, he said, you a Christian? I said, yeah. He said, uh, he said, I'm a Christian. He said, you let your light shine back there. He said, that's pretty cool. I said, well, you know, she's a kid, honest mistake, not a big deal. He said, what do you do? I said, well, I preach. I have another company. I said, but, you know, I'm, I'm a preacher. He said, preacher, I like you. Great. Woke up this morning praying for a tow truck friend. I said, <laughs> I, said I, I, I like you, preacher. He said, you ever need me, you call. I said, well, I don't mean to disappoint you. I don't get in accidents all the time. I'm not a high volume customer for you. You're not going to make it. He said, here's my card. You need me, you call me. Well, the business I ran, ran I, have a, I had an older truck, a, a 93 Ford F-450, 325,000 miles on it, um, second motor, third transmission, just came time for it to go away. You know what I'm talking about? And uh, I, I tried to, just time to sell it, fixing it more than I'm using it. And so I, I got another truck coming. I was trying to sell this old truck, <coughs> but I couldn't. I couldn't get it started, so I called this tow truck guy. I said, hey, you know, if you want, come tow this truck to the repair shop so I can get it fixed, I'd appreciate it. He showed up. He said, preacher, for you, I'll do it for free. So I like you better already. You're growing on me. Amen. So he took that truck. He took it down to the shop and didn't charge me anything. And at the end, he said, now, he said, what are you going to do with that? I said, I'm going to sell it. I said, I don't need it anymore. I'm just trying to unload it. He said, if you can't sell it, you call me. I said, what? He said, I can sell anything. I said, you are a tow truck driver. <laughs> tow truck drivers do not sell things. Tow truck drivers hook things. He said, I can sell anything. Okay. I said, I'm good. Go, ba go back home. I took this truck out. Two, two and a half months, nobody even looked at it. One guy peeked in the window. I couldn't even get out there in time to get him in the seat. Wouldn't even hop in the thing. Nobody. 
So I finally, I'm getting ready to go out of town and I can't sell this thing. So I called this guy. I said, hey, I said, if you're really serious and you can do that, come get it. No problem. He sold it the next morning for $4,000 cash. $4,000 cash. C-A-S-H, cash. No bounce check, cash. I came home off the road. Janine gave me the money. And I'm standing there and the Holy Spirit speaks to me. He said, now there's the money for her golf cart. When I became a deliverer, God began to turn my deliverance and to bring me the thing that I needed in my life. When I sought the peace of the people that were around me, God began to get involved in my life and it gave me favor with a man I didn't know I needed favor with. And he turned my situation around. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. But it was a voice of God I learned to hear working in the ministry of help. Yeah. And God was saying, now you begin to carry that out into your people. You begin to take that out to society. You begin to use this now out there. And you begin to turn this situation around for yourself, Ray. You've been at this now long enough. You become the deliverer. Right. And you begin to help other people. Can you say amen? amen. amen. We got to... We got to hurry along here. You're taking too long to listen. I'm sure I'm not preaching long. Amen. Acts chapter 3. I just want to read these verses into the record. I need to wrap up. Verse 1. Says this, it says, And now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, which is the ninth hour. So if they're... Going up at the time of prayer, isn't it safe to say they're going to pray? Right? I mean, we're not taking things out of context. That's what they're going to do. They're going to pray. And a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they lay daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful. Get the page flipped. To ask alms from those who entered, and who seen Peter and John about to go into the temple, say about to go. So they haven't been in yet about to go into the temple, ask of alms. Fixing his eyes on with them, Peter and John said, look at us. And he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something. And Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Had they been in the temple yet? Had they been to prayer yet? But they showed up with enough anointing on their lives. To heal someone before they ever got into prayer. Yes, sir. They had enough presence of God to deliver somebody else before they ever got there. Yeah. Wow. When we begin to walk with God everywhere we go, when we begin to show up at church to help somebody else, when we begin to say, "This Lord, I don't need the anointing now for me. I'm doing it to help so-and-so. I'm doing it to be a blessing to the kids. I'm doing it to help somebody else. Then, then we begin to realize why Jesus said, you know, Jesus came down off the mountain. He couldn't help the little boy get the demon out. He said, this kind comes up by, by prayer and fasting. But notice, Jesus didn't have to go pray and fast. Right. He lived that way. Yes. That's why at the close of so many chapters, it says, and he dismissed them, but he himself went up on the mountain to pray. Or he was up a great while before, and he was in prayer. He was in prayer. He was in prayer. Why? He lived prayed up. He's saying, you have to get to where the Holy Spirit accumulates enough on you that you can touch someone else. Right. You just live in the anointing. You live prayed up. Peter and John got it. Yes, sir. We can 
We can come to the house of God to be a blessing. We can show up to deliver. We can come with the healing power of God. We don't have to wait till we get there to have it. We can just live with it on us all the time. One last verse and then I, I need to go. I got one minute left. You got to go quick. Exodus chapter 20, 20. Exodus chapter 20. Sorry, 27, 20. I get them mixed up a little bit. Exodus 27, 20. This is the command of God that he gives Moses for the people, right? It's my new favorite verse. Next time I'll have another favorite verse, but right now today it's my new favorite verse. And you shall command the children of Israel that they bring you pure oil. That's the anointing. It's a type and shadow of the anointing or the power of the Holy Spirit. You command the children that they bring you pure oil of pressed olives. For the light, that's the gospel. That's the word of God. That's the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel. So you're getting it. I can tell you're getting it. That they bring you pure oil of pressed olives for the light to cause the lamp to burn continually. In the tabernacle of meeting outside the veil, which is before the testimony, Aaron and his sons, that's the priest, that's pastor, they shall tend it from evening until morning before the Lord, and it shall be a statute forever to their generations on behalf of the children of Israel. Now that you've been delivered from Egypt, yeah, you were mistreated 400 plus years. Yes, you were beaten. Yes, it's time now, God says, it's time now for you to begin to bring the anointing yes. to, cause the, to cause the gospel light to keep burning. That's good in that tabernacle, that the priest always have enough oil in the lamp to cause it to burn so that there's a light in the darkness out here in this wilderness place that these people can find their way to the house Come of on. the Almighty God. Come on. We are under commandment, ladies and gentlemen, you and I, that when we show up to church, we bring the Holy Spirit with us. Our anointing, our call, our place, our song, our dance, our vacuum, our children's notes, our, our sermon for the kids, whatever ours is, that we show up and we bring with us the anointing of God, that the light of the gospel might burn bright in Wheeler, Michigan. Yeah. So pastor has a bright light that he can tend to, the gospel that he can reach out with and touch the nations because of the power of the Holy Spirit that Peter and John, two simple fishermen, learned, didn't want to just come and go, but he wanted to live on the inside of them yes. and begin to touch their generation with the power of God. Can you say amen? amen? Father, thank you for this wonderful church. Thank you for these wonderful believers. Thank you, Lord, for these that, that have worked so hard. I, I just, in my heart, I just see mothers working so hard to keep families coming to this church and dads working their jobs and racing off trying to get home and get to the house of God and doing the dues of ministry and at times putting their last dollars or pennies into the offering to help build your house. Lord, anoint us. Help us to touch. Help us to pick up the call of God on our life and to show up with pressed oil 
pure anointing. Yes. That we might help our pastor preach the gospel of Jesus Christ in these last days. In Jesus' name, can you say amen? Amen. Well, give the Lord a good hand clap if you would. <clears throat> um, I'll wrap up. I'll just hit the CD 